wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. 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 Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? It is. And you know, I appreciate that you're here, Derek, to support me, but I just, I think maybe I need to do this podcast on my own. (laughs) And of course, we'd like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, Jason, Zoe, James, and Keith. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Well, you don't have to do this podcast on your own, thankfully, because I'm right here with you, uh, as are all of our friends from the 2017 Spider-Man show. Yes. It's fine, even though Uncle Ben said that I have to do things on my own. Yeah. Even if it means, uh, you know, that you'll be plunged into poverty despite having a Uh rich best friend. Sure. Whatever. Yeah. Um, So many thoughts. But I honestly, it's going to come up a lot this season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, not even it's really not as much in this episode as it is the next. It comes up in this episode, but it's really more. Uh, the next episode is one that's just sort of like, good God, you're really shoving this bullshit in my face, aren't you? Um, yeah. Despite that, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, like, I like this show and I'm happy to be back with it. Me um, too. I'm so excited yeah. for these friends. Mm-hmm. We just talked about some amazing friends. These are also some amazing friends. It's a full cast yeah. of lovely, lovely teenagers making mistakes. Yeah, it, it's so funny because I feel like this show has grown on me so much, like more than I realized. Like, I mean, it's been, it was a long time since we started it. Um, yeah. I feel like it was what episode, like 70s or something around the seventies maybe is when we did it. Seventies right? or eighties or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Is maybe late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like at the time it was just sort of like, Oh, you know, this show's fine. And then I feel like kept finding more and more and more interesting things about it. And I think mm-hmm. it, it is now that we're in the second season, like fully in the set, like, uh, like f- 26 episodes is, is a lot of episodes to have gotten through. So now that we're in kind of like the second season, kind of deep into the show at this point, like it is interesting that it, it does feel like it took a while, but it did kind of settle into itself and, realize and and we kind of realize like oh this is a different show than i think what it was positioned to be at the beginning um and then i think it's sort of clear well it's this episode is interesting this that we're going to talk about because it feels like a little it it feels like a mixture of both in that like you know it was originally pitched as like this is a show about going back to basics with peter parker (laughs) and also it's about science and then by the end of it it's sort of like it the things we loved about it had nothing to do with that it was like this sort of interesting ensemble and the story with harry Um, and the sort of interesting spins, um, that they were having on like modern Spider-Man comics and the way that they were reinventing these characters. And then, and then this episode is so interesting because it feels like a little bit of a, I don't know, like trying to like restabilize where it left off. Cause like there is a lot of like solo Peter Parker stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. but there use, and and there's like no, no Harry in this episode at all. Um, but it also like. And and there's a lot of focus on the comedy like it had early in the in the first season too. Um, but it does feel like there's an interesting 
I don't know. It it still feels different. It felt different watching this episode than watching like early season one episodes. I think just because of how they balance some of the comedy and some of the characters and stuff. So I'm I'm excited to to talk about it. Do you know if the next season also starts with one of these little five part like first episodes? I'm almost certain that it doesn't because the next season is like a much more serialized arc. I believe like every episode is like a, it's basically like a bunch of two parters and it's a much shorter season. So I don't think so. Um, It's, I don't think so at all. Interesting to me that this one then once again starts with one of those five part episodes or like five segment episodes, kind of like the whole series did because it's almost like, is this, like the softest, softest, softest sort of like reboot of your series. Like, are you using this to sort of reestablish tone sort of where this one ends is Mm. kind of like undoes something from the last season and brings something more traditional into the Spider-Man experience, you know? I, I think that's a good point and actually great segue because really the only background production stuff that I had for the season getting, you know, starting off because I, I, there aren't really a lot of like interviews and stuff that I found from it. But like, I think a thing that is interesting to keep in mind that I'm going to keep thinking about as we're going through this yeah. is that I talked about it a lot last season, but Kevin Shinnick was the showrunner of the first season um, and he had a lot of background in comedy specifically, not really so much superhero cartoons. Um, I don't know why, but he steps down at the end of the first season. So he is not mm-hmm. p- part of the show in any capacity, as far as I know, going forward. Um, and then Kevin Burke and Chris Doc Wyatt, who wrote this episode and wrote a bunch of episodes in the first season, they get bumped up to showrunners um, and they do have a background in superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were literally writing on Ultimate Spider-Man in the latter years when Ultimate Spider-Man, I think, got a little more serious and, and more serialized mm-hmm. and more than comic bookie stuff. Um, and so then you get into this season, uh, this episode specifically, which ends with sort of like, what if we get Peter into the Daily Bugle and stuff like that? Like, right. I, yeah. Like, it, and I, and again, Harry isn't mentioned at all, which has me a little worried that it's like, are they trying to move away from the Harry best friend relationship that was so present in the first season? I don't know. We'll see. Neither of us, I'm assuming, have watched very much of the season. No. So I truly don't know. And that worries me a little bit because I like the Harry stuff a lot in the first season. Me too. Um, But I could also see it just being like, like, that doesn't feel like classic Spider-Man that Harry is like a a central protagonist with Peter. So we need to get him out of here. I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping that that's wrong. And he, you know, comes back later on and gets reintroduced. And they're just doing a slow burn with getting us into the status quo of this season. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The only other fun fact that I had is that uh, the last thing that that Shinnick contributed to this series was actually this. I didn't know this existed, but there was a motion comic tie-in to Spider-Geddon in in 2018. It's just a real short little motion comic, Hmm. and it does feature this version of Spider-Man. It isn't voiced by Robbie Damon for some reason. He doesn't do Spider-Man's voice for some reason. Um, So I don't know what the point of doing a motion comic was if you're not getting this version of Spider-Man who's like concurrently working on the show to voice in your motion comic. Especially since like this isn't a show that has like a massive like I don't think this show made such a massive splash on the entirety of Spider-Man that like the sh- the char- this iteration of the character outlives its cast, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the cute thing it's... is that this is a specific version of Spider-Man that Robbie Damon yeah. voices, so like why not yeah, go so all like... in on how specific it is? 
Right. So like, yeah, literally, what's the point of doing a voiced comic if you're not getting this version of Spider-Man? So I don't know. But that, but he wrote that comic. That was the last thing he really did with it. I haven't I haven't read it or I, I guess in this case watched it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll do it for the Patreon because it's like a I'm three curious. minute thing. So why not? Yeah. To check it out um, and hmm. to see how it kind of matches the uh, the vibe of the show or fits into Spider-Geddon or whatever. But I yeah. don't know. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that gets us into the second season where we're at now. <laughs> cool. So the episode we're talking about is, of course, Marvel Spider-Man 2017 Season 2, Episode 1, entitled How I Thwipped My Summer Vacation. Between school at Horizon and superhero stuff, we never get to just be normal kids. But even summer classes are done, so I'm finally going to have the perfect vacation. I made a perfect summer vacation checklist. See? And right at the top, beach day. You made a checklist of how to have fun? That's the opposite of fun. <laughs> Great. We're playing the short socks, so we haven't lost two in a decade. Last year, we won 47 to nothing, so people aren't that interested. No suspense. <gasps> what? Was that a good thing? The short socks got a home run? That hasn't happened in years. Oh, another homer? Impossible. <laughs> Stand and fight, you loser! I can't hit a seven-year-old! I just turned eight! My name is Nocturnal, for I hunt by night! You got some nasty toenails there! Did you just back at me? Peter, Max Modell here. Was hoping to schedule a time for you to come in and train your replacement as my lab assistant. Replacement? The synopsis per IMDb is, while on the best summer vacation ever, Peter must balance fun with the responsibilities of being Spider-Man. I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the entire conflict of the episode is that it's not the best summer vacation ever. it's ever. not the best? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> The original air date was June 18th, 2018. Uh, we mentioned them before, but it was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Doc Wyatt. Um, they are going to actually come up again when we get back to Ultimate Spider-Man because they started writing on that show in season two. Uh, but since we last covered this show with them, they've actually written on episodes of Legend of Vox Machina, which is a very oh. popular show. So it's a pretty good gig to be on uh, and also became story editors of the Lego Ninjago Dragons Rising show. Wow. In this episode... This episode was directed by Dan Duncan. He's another one that we talked about uh, a lot because he's one of those supervising directors who directs many episodes of the show. Since we last covered his work, uh, he has worked as a storyboard artist on the Justice League World War War World movie. Uh, World War World World. I don't know why I couldn't say that. What a horrible uh, just- name. Yeah, Justice League <laughs> War World movie uh, and the Invincible Adam Eve special. A significantly more clever and pronounceable name than War <laughs> yes, World. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Justice League Wawa. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is a thing from the comics that it was in the Justice League cartoon too. So like, I've heard it before, but it still doesn't, it's still not fun to say. <laughs> well, this episode is told in five segments. So there are a whole bunch of characters. Uh, most of them aren't 
big characters seemingly, but there are a couple that are introduced towards the end of the episode that we will certainly see a whole lot more of. So some of the ones that are pretty brief are The Tinkerer, who is voiced by Aaron Abrams, uh, who was in the television series Hannibal, Blindspot, and Children Ruin Everything. We also get this pop star uh, named Ross Caliban. I can't figure out if that's supposed to be a reference to something. I don't know. I mean... It's because it's a, such a weirdly specific name, right? Like right. Caliban is a pop is a Shakespeare character that has nothing to do with this character, and he's not a character from the comics that I could tell. So I don't really it doesn't know. Like, sound like a it's not like a pun or like a bastardization of like a real pop star. It's not like yeah. Dustin Leader or whatever. Like you know what I mean? They could have done all sorts of weird variations of a pop name. It's like it's not a pun and it doesn't ha- like it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a joke, but it also doesn't sound like a pop star name. So it feels right, like right. they like somebody actually knows a real life Ross Caliban and like wrote him in the could show be as his character, yeah. which like that makes because it's such a weird name to have come up with that does not yeah. sound like a pop star name. I don't know. But he's voiced by Jeremy Shada, who is famously Finn the Human in Adventure Time. Uh, wow. Was also Lance. Yeah. And was also Lance in Voltron Legendary Defender. So funny that he comes in to do Ross Caliban, the pop star, what a in like weird... one segment of this episode. <laughs> what a weird pull. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's not a nobody. <laughs> and it's yeah. like exactly the age of a actor like for a show like this that you could fully <laughs> feature in like a whole episode or arc. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah, so strange. So strange. I don't know. We also find out Hammerhead has a son named Tully, who is voiced by Laura Bailey, who we know because she voices Gwen Stacy here, among other characters in episodes of this show. Uh, And then we meet a character named Nocturnal, uh, who is voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, who we also know very well because he's the voice of Spider-Man in the Insomniac Spider-Man games, uh, as well as in Marvel Midnight Suns, which I don't know was out last time we talked about this show. I don't think it was. Yeah, I think that that just came came up relatively recently. Yeah. And we, we have heard him and talked about him before in this series because he voiced Clayton Cole, Clash, and also the Lizard. And then we get a J. Jonah Jameson for this series. He is voiced by Bob Joles. What do you think? I like how Jonah is written so far in okay. like a couple of episodes we watch. And I think Bob Joles is good at the yelling. I think he is a good yeller. My problem is that he doesn't sound like a real person when he's playing J. Jonah Jameson. He sounds like he's mm. a voice actor trying to sound like J.K. Simmons or what you would expect. Gotcha. Which I think is a problem with many modern Jonas, to be honest. I think it is, I think oftentimes, the worst J. Jonah Jamesons or even yeah. good ones. It's still like, I can tell this isn't what you sound like. I can tell that you're doing the fake gruff voice to sound like Ed Asner and J.K. Simmons and like just not able to pull it off rather than just like doing a voice. You know what I mean? I do. Not that I was like declaring a hypothesis, but maybe it is becoming one that like J. Jonah Jameson is a very difficult, if not like impossible role to step into because of those two. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I, I think, think he does a good job. Certainly better than I the last one we fine. talked about. He's fine. Yeah. I think he is perfectly fine. Um, <laughs> he's good at the acting part. I just like, you don't maybe it's kind of like, like the Tony don't... Stark thing. You don't need to be RDJ. I, yeah, I think that's the problem. I think that, yeah, you don't have to try so hard to be JK because it's obviously not your voice. So Hopefully uh, it'll mellow out um, since this is yeah. the first time we've heard him in this episode, and I know that we will hear him plenty more. So uh, Bob Joel's first television credit, interestingly enough, was an additional voice or a couple additional voices in a few episodes of Godzilla the series. 
Fun. Yes. He also replaced John Reese Davies as Hades in Justice League Unlimited and Ooh. replaced John Reese Davies as Man Ray in SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> oh, so he's just like a John Reese Davies, like, uh, uh, like a sound alike. Oh in- or he does like a good impression. <laughs> impersonator. That's the word I yeah. was looking for. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Sure. I don't know. Um, he also provides uh, all sorts of voices for several major video game franchises like Metal Gear, Final Fantasy, and Warcraft. Coincidentally, he also voiced Hades in God of <laughs> War 2, a very different version of Hades, I'm sure. Um, and he voiced Kingpin in the Spider-Man 3 video game. So the oh, wow. like Raimi Spider-Man 3 video game adaptation. <laughs> and then we will see Eddie Brock. And spoiler, we will see him again. Uh, next week but he does not speak in this episode and spoiler he, he won't speak in next week's episode either <laughs> yeah <laughs> so he is there quite notably in fact yeah i mean he has pointed out very clearly many times over the yes. course of this one in the next episode very interesting way to introduce a character by not letting him have a voice they I, know what I'm, they're doing they know what they're doing i don't know and i mean that specifically in the sense that like they know that they've introduced eddie brock and chosen yeah. not to make him talk i'm I not guess saying so. that i'm saying that as neutrally as possible like they clearly must choice. know <laughs> yeah that this yeah. is a thing that that people will notice so eddie brock is here he is introduced we have no idea what he sounds like or who will voice him <laughs> Can't wait to hear what he sounds like, I guess. Question mark. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that sound that comes out of his mouth, it's going to be so overhyped. That better, it better be yeah. like the most angelic, perfect, like head exploding voice I've ever heard. I guess. That's what's so weird about not letting him speak is like, we're just yeah. going to be anticipating it. You know? Yeah. And then it's just going to sound like a guy and we're just going to be like, oh, he's just going to wow. sound like a guy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into these segments. Like I said, there's five of them. So I broke it down by each segment. Each one kind of has its own little mini plot here. Question before you get into it. Do you, I couldn't find, I know the, the, with the origin shorts, these mm-hmm. were put on YouTube piece by piece, like, you know, over the course of multiple days for this one, I couldn't find anything but the full episode. So like, do you think that these were at one point on YouTube individually and then deleted or like maybe they wrote it intending to be like that and then it was just Disney's fault for not releasing them in in, in separate videos? I suspect it's the latter because I also didn't I feel like it would have been obvious to us that they were on YouTube at some point, but I didn't see yeah. Did you even see people talking about them having been on YouTube? Not that I could find. Cuz I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I it's feel like weird. that w- that that would have been easy for us to find. This is like only five years old. People would have written that yeah. they were on YouTube, you know? Yeah. So I bet you they were intended to be like the Origins ones and then just weren't for some reason. Yeah. Because to be honest, these, I think, would work better as little YouTube videos than the Origin shorts did, really. Because yes. they're they're much more like standalone, separate little, sto- little fun little mini stories, you know? Yeah. These are all literally things that happen on like different days of Peter's life. Whereas like the Origin shorts all happen in like a pretty short span. Some of which are literally like minutes later, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. hmm. It it, it does. It does provide for an interesting structure for this episode that I think is really fun. Like when you watch it all together, um, it's just feels, it's just a missed opportunity, I guess, for not also doing the YouTube thing, but whatever. I'm not in, in Disney XD's marketing. So I don't know. know. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like if it were meant to be just sort of like a structure breaking episode, one, it wouldn't be the first one of the season. And two, it would have been, there would have been harder 
sort of segmentations, I feel like. Even though they are five yes. separate stories, I feel like the segmentation would have been way harder. Like these yeah, are vignettes absolutely. as opposed to just like one story told in five parts. Yeah. As it stands, it makes it like an interesting, fun little interlude episode, like between season one and mm-hmm. two. But when you're watching it as the season two opener, it is a little bit weird. But yeah. it 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 was nice to get acclimated back into this show, I guess. You know, mm-hmm. in a very light way, because there's a ton of plot momentum in this episode. Yeah. And even though I'm I also think they probably don't start the third season this way, I wonder if they will do sort of year setting if this yes. is all sophomore year and that one is all junior year. In which case I do like having a moment where you establish each incoming school year. Fully agree. Yeah. So this first segment, I don't know that they have names, um, but we can kind of give them names based on this list that Peter uh, has made in the episode. So the first one is Beach Day, and this segment starts off with Peter sharing his perfect summer vacation checklist with Miles. After Peter seemingly enjoys getting sand kicked in his face by some bullies because he says that's what would happen to normal kids during a normal summer vacation, Miles says he'll need to fuel up to put up with Peter's plans because... If getting kicked with sand in the face is fun, uh, Miles has no idea what the fuck Peter's up to. Fortunately, hot dogs were also a part of Peter's plan, so he sets off to fetch some for Miles. I like uh, Peter and Miles just hanging out together. It's nice. Me too. It's cute. I like it. I think it's very funny that Miles also seemingly is just like, yeah, we're chilling. And Peter is like the one who has like a detailed itinerary for like every moment of the day. Yeah, I, I think Miles it's actually personalities. it does. I think Miles in this whole episode is really fun because like he he is so chill about everything and is mm-hmm. literally just there to have fun, which, you know, was present in the first season. But I think because there really isn't much else happening in this episode, it's just mm-hmm. highlighted in this in, in this one. Um, I wish they could also, you know, have him do Spider-Man things to contrast how he's different as Spider-Man as well and reflect that. But uh, of course we never see him as Spider-Man in this show. So that's not going to happen. Um, (laughs) And if we're talking about like, if we are theorizing that this episode maybe like sets the stage and sort of communicates what the status quo is moving forward. I know the show already was kind of not doing tons of miles stuff, but it very specifically sets up like what Peter is doing and how Spider-Man Peter version is sort of yeah. uh what he's doing and Miles is like entirely in the background. So I I will be curious to see if that's even more of a problem uh-huh. this time around. If he's like I, even I mean, more of a supporting character. Having seen the episode after this, I worry about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean especially cuz like you could watch this episode and truly not even get that miles is spider-man at all like i know there's like it, there is a line at the beginning where peter does specifically say our superheroing or something to that effect mm-hmm. so like miles is included in the superheroing but miles doesn't fucking mention anything about doing spider-man stuff or being wanting a break from it or whatever and then peter never even considers calling miles for help which again problem in the first season too but feels even more <laughs> weird yeah and this one when peter is like being like miles is waiting for me to get back and i'm like you could call him and tell him you're doing spider-man things and maybe he'd be like yeah. i'll help i don't i mean again that's it's that's beating a dead horse that we beat in the first season it's just a bummer that it's like oh this is just gonna keep happening okay all right right if this is the establishing episode it's just establishing that that will continue to be an issue yeah 
and, and it's almost just like, do I just have to just accept that this is how it is and stop fighting it? Because I, mean, I think so. I do. I enjoy this episode a lot. And again, Miles is really funny in this segment and then in, in the last segment that he's in as well. Like, Miles is a lot of fun. Like, I love his yeah. energy and having this just sort of like carefree, like super chill, um, just like fun guy who really does not have a does not yeah. have a deep thought in his head like i, I love I, I love that in a show full of super geniuses i just wish there was more i don't think we've ever necessarily asked or answered this question but like i would rather have miles constantly be a presence in this series as a supporting character and not be spider-man than have him be spider-man and be in and out of episodes sometimes completely missing you know? Oh, without a without a doubt, without a doubt, because I think that if they and again talked about this in the in the first season at different points, I think, but like if they were better about finding ways to write him out, if they didn't want to have him in every episode, I would feel a little bit differently. Like it would still be annoying, but at least it would just be like you're giving him little arcs. Like they do, you know, the '90s show wrote Black Cat at, out after six episodes and gave her like a farewell to go out of town. Mm-hmm. If they did stuff like that with Miles, where he's gone for a stretch and only shows up for your event episodes, plenty of superhero stuff have done that. I could, it mm-hmm. it would still be annoying for people who love miles like us but i could get behind that it's frustrating when he's literally in peter's classes hanging out with him and they just and just peter just runs away and does spider-man stuff without him like and that's it or he's there and then they don't even mention him yeah or why he's not there you know yeah in this one they at least mention he's there but but yeah he doesn't he doesn't help peter doesn't call him and this is exactly what this segment is is like peter going off to do spider-man things without miles so he goes to search for these hot dogs and he ends up stumbling across a hot dog eating contest where he also ends up stumbling across black cat stealing the contest's prize money uh so he's like i should stop that so he suits up and he catches up with her uh after chasing her throughout the city and she blasts him with her bad luck powers um this episode i I know that this was a discussion (laughs) about like Uh how literal her powers were um, where where I think I thought they were more ambiguous maybe than you thought the episode was making it seem. This episode uh-huh. I think makes them super literal and makes their uh make it such that there is no confusion. They absolutely yep. exist and there are direct results every single time. So I, I can't fight Yay! that battle anymore. <laughs> She's got magic eyes that make you trip. There, it stops there. There's nothing more complicated. Nothing more complicated than that. <laughs> yeah. That's all it is. It wasn't like a cool, cute sort of commentary on luck as a whole or how we manifest things. Uh, nope. It's just magic eyes, which is fun <laughs> too, because it's a fun power. So he gets blasted with the magic eyes. It does kind of what you would expect. He keeps chasing her, but fails in all sorts of spectacular ways, like falling into a sewer, tripping over things, busting a gargoyle, uh, all kinds of stuff. Until finally he catches up with her and tricks her into blasting herself with the magic eyes in a glass building's windows. So then she ends up on the sort of uh, rough end of her own powers, buried in a pile of sand. He takes the prize money. Uh, returns it back to the contest and discovers that in his uh, stead, Miles found his own hot dogs and won the whole ass hot dog eating contest. I love, I love that the, the, it's like a running gag. Like, actually, not really running gag. He only eats like twice, but I, I like that it's like 
a character trait for Miles in this that he's just a huge eater. Like he's eating ice yeah. cream, he wants hot dogs, and then he he's so hungry for hot dogs that he wins a literal hot dog eating contest. He has a line is just sort of like, yeah. I was hungry, so I just entered the contest and won a bunch of money. Like it's like yeah. again, not a thought in this kid's head. He's just like, I was hungry and I did it, and now I have money. Yeah. Yay. Like <laughs> I know it's funny too, because like I know it's like the most obvious like joke for any sort of eating contest, but I am always a sucker for like the little unassuming one wins the eating contest, whether it's uh-huh. like Miles, this like scrawny kid, or like sometimes it's like literally like a child or whatever. It cracks me up every time. Yeah. And the face he's making, like as he finishes the contest and everybody else is like doubled over in pain, is just like the most relaxed, matter of fact face. And it's just yeah. I chuckled. I liked it. Miles yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> I Miles is great. Everything that they do with yeah. him is fun and good. I just wish they did more in addition to yeah. the comedy stuff with him. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I just have to call attention to one of the lines in my notes that it just says, why am I attracted to the man in a hot dog costume? I mean, I, I wouldn't question it. <laughs> yeah. It's not weird yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then as the day comes to a close, Miles admits that he did have a perfect beach day, uh, but that it was weird that Peter missed the whole thing. Miles, you you had to have known. <laughs> Peter goes missing. You must know that something's up, but whatever. We've we've said it all. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he comments that Peter missed it. Peter says it's not a problem because he's got plenty of time and plenty of other plans. And we have plenty yes. of other segments to cover those plans. Yes. Yes. Any lingering thoughts on this segment before we go to the next one? No, I just thought it was nice. I love a beach episode and I don't know that we get a ton of Spider-Man beach episodes. Not so really it's cool. When Cause we do. he's always too busy. When does he have time to chill out at a beach? You know, like- right. It's usually Coney Island <laughs> and that's like a different vibe than like a beach day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I do like that. Apparently getting stung by jellyfish was on his to do list. <laughs> that he calls out. <laughs> like he wants the full yeah. the full gamut of the experience <laughs> yeah just like getting sand kicked in your face you know it's like mm-hmm. if you're gonna go to the beach you better do it all it's cute it's a cute <laughs> way to start the episode yeah this second segment uh, is the ball game uh, and this he gets to spend some time with aunt may so i like that that we get a little bit of like you know one-on-one time with with a couple mm-hmm. of characters we really don't see aunt may that much of this show so this is kind of nice um and she's really fun fun uh fun in it and it is in fact peter's first ever baseball game which is the uh, new york spirits versus the short socks so i don't buy and i know that every version of peter is different but it feels to me like any version of peter parker knows baseball i feel like it's one of the nerdiest sports to like be really into because there's so much like numbers like there's so many numbers involved it is and peter and peter is such a quintessential canonically that's what i was that's what i was gonna say but he's such a quintessentially new york kid that like no matter how nerdy he is yeah he's gonna be like in he's gonna be like super into the mets in the way that any New Yorker is like super into the Mets, even if they don't care about baseball, you know, and and Peter seems, yeah, like you said, that's kind of like the nerdy thing Peter gets. The thing that they do that in this episode that really annoys me that I'm just so tired of <laughs> is the whole like, I'm a nerd. What's sports ball? And it's like, yeah, like and, and I say that as someone who isn't like into sports, right. but like that. I'm sorry, that joke. If you make it, I apologize, but it's old and played. No, out I and don't. It's not, I'm and with it's not you. Funny. I'm with like, you. It's really tired. Like it, I, I feel like that whole attitude had like its whole sort of cycle, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. where there was there was kind of this moment where everybody like 
declared that they didn't care about sports in the way that everybody thought that they should. And we were like, Mm -hmm. those of us who don't care about sports were like, yeah, totally. Like also sports ball. Uh, But then it like became this weird, like badge of like superiority to not be into sports. And then it became weird where it's like, you can watch the Super Bowl or you can not watch the Super Bowl. And it doesn't really matter either way. I don't think people cared as much as we thought they would when we said we Mm -hmm. don't care. (laughs) It's a yeah, it's a pride thing that's that's really annoying to me because it's just and I think I think now it's also like geek culture has uh, taken over pop culture so much that it's like like I don't think not being into sports is that weird anymore. It's I think it's not. weirder it's weirder to not be into like Marvel and Star Wars now than it is to not be into sports at this People point. People will I feel definitely like. react more frequently in a strong way if you say that you've never seen a Marvel movie or don't watch marvel movies like in a casual way than if you say you don't watch or follow sports yeah yeah so like i i just i can't i can't with the with the sports ball things and like i i and i can buy that that peter is like that peter i don't know if they wanted to do a version of peter that had never been to a baseball game before which i don't buy but you can say it for this version of peter because he is a particular kind of nerdy i guess like yeah. if they wanted to do that i wouldn't have an issue with it like i don't mind the jokes where like aunt may is like oh my god they got a home run and he's like yay or wait is that bad like if they do stuff along those lines i wouldn't have an issue with that but they go they hammer so much in like into him being like i don't know what this means did i say uh did i say a home run right like i'm like you know you know that that's a baseball thing like right you're not not a fucking idiot like just because you're into science doesn't mean you know you don't know the difference between like a touchdown and a home like a home or what sport a touchdown is in versus a home run or something like that like come on man or foul like i think it says foul ball it's like obviously that's a fucking baseball thing like come on right like it's just they just go too hard on it in an annoying way. I, I, I'm with you. I don't know exactly like how to define why, but I just don't buy that he wouldn't know sports terminology generally. I could buy a version of Peter Parker who's never been to a baseball game, but is still into yeah. baseball. Like I could see it not being his scene, but I just can't buy that he doesn't know anything about baseball. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just like it just it, it's it, so it, hard it, for it's me to believe. It's supposed to just highlight like he's just a big nerd into science because and he's really smart, but it just makes him look just fucking stupid. Like it just makes nerds him like look sports. Dumb. Nerds follow and watch sports. Yeah, and even if they don't, sorry everybody, a nerd a nerd knows what a home run and a foul ball is, yeah. like or at least know which sport they belong to. <laughs> it's just if they like they just they go ch- it. And again, it's a show for children, so like they don't have to make really complex jokes or whatever. But like if they're gonna do it, they go too hard on it, and they're never as funny as they think that they are. <laughs> like never, and not in it, and not in a like Spider Man quips or purposely yeah. bad kind of way. It's in a like isn't like isn't Spider Man funny for not getting these yeah. and I'm like no he's not it's not funny actually yeah. it's just annoying which is a bummer because this ep- <laughs> this segment having this segment follow the mm-hmm. black cat segment is actually very clever based on what happened like what happens is really smart given that in the previous segment he was blasted with a bad luck ray <laughs> oh sure yeah 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 but uh but let's see yeah so some of the details of this baseball game peter's wondering why the stands are empty it's just may there in her full like baseball regalia and she's like ah, the short socks haven't beaten the spirit in a decade uh so like no one shows up for their games um against against each other because they're like they're just not interesting my team's gonna win so it doesn't matter um but she does like have a fun little throwaway joke that's sort of like i mean unless you jinx the team by being here but i'm sure that's not gonna happen it'll be fine so of course the team starts 
it's like losing immediately. Uh, the, <laughs> short, the short socks hit two home runs in a row. May is like freaking out and she's like, I'm a nervous eater. So get me some snacks. So while Peter's waiting in line, he like sees in the screen that the baseball is like moving and possibly when the socks hit it. Um, I hate, I hate, I hate this bit because a, they go hard. They go extra hard in the baseball things. Peter's like, I'm no expert in baseball, but I don't think that baseballs are supposed to move that way. I mean, I right. don't know sports ball, but I, so it's like, oh my god, that's annoying. First of all, but then they, there's it's just a weird like needs editing writing thing because he says, I'm no expert, but blah blah. Baseballs don't move like that. And like two seconds later, he suits up as Spider Man to see to go to the tinkerer who's tinkering with the game, making the baseball to do it. And the next line starts with, I'm no expert, but I think that's cheating or something. So he yeah. says, I'm no expert, like Twice almost two lines in a <laughs> row. And it just it's it just sounds really yeah. bad and off putting those back to back. And it's like one of those I'm no experts could have easily been taken out. Like it kind of feels like like was this a rush job? Like that it's, would be would be such an edit. Such an it, easy edit. What it felt like to me is when you say a line before a commercial break and then repeat it at like after the commercial break, but this didn't actually right. feel like a place where a commercial break was meant to happen. You know what I mean? Like that was my first yeah. thought. I was like, oh weird commercial break because i assume these were all shorts yeah. that were separated out but then when i rewatched it i was like no this is not where a commercial break even would have yeah. been so it's just yeah it's just like a weird a weird thing where they just repeated the exact same line um yeah i know you got to It'll- the tinker already but this is what i was I, I meant when i said like it's clever having this happen right after okay. the black cat one because my assumption was like oh his bad luck is going to carry throughout these segments like that's mm. why she was first and then when they reveal it's the tinker it's like almost a surprise because I was expecting, mm. oh, he's just going to have bad luck throughout. That didn't even occur to me. That's actually a really cool thought. <laughs> but I would like to think it was intentional, but maybe it was luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a fun, but it's a fun idea because they established Peter being like a jinx or whatever in the yeah. game. Um, so that, that, that's a, that is a funny thought. I would like to believe that they were thinking that too. Given the, uh, I'm no expert back to back lines. It makes me wonder how much thought was really put into this episode. So yeah. I don't know, but, but I would like to believe that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unclear. <laughs> And the Tinker, like, yeah, he's basically just has like a essentially just like a magic wand made with science that's able to telekinetically move the ball around. That's essentially what he's doing. <laughs> he's this is why I'm like not a, sure like we'll see him again. It feels too general. Like they're just sort of like he's a tinkerer and he invents things that can break physics. <laughs> like okay, <laughs> I mean, but he can still he can, they can bring he can him have back, a different. But- he can bring him back. He can add a different invention every time. Or even if yeah. he uses the same one, like he basically just has telekinesis is essentially what his power ultimately is. <sighs> it's just he has objects that let him do that. Boring, weird version of Tinkerer. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, I think it is. Kind, I think his um, motivation is very, very funny. Um, I agree with that. Yeah, because Spider-Man chases him into a locker room, um, and then after, you know, he webs up the Tinker like, very easily. There's not really much of a fight here. Tinker just, like, throws a bunch of, telekinetically throws a bunch of objects at him. Mm-hmm. And the Spider-Man dodging those objects, by the way, really bad. Like, just not not good-looking <laughs> animation. It's pretty bad, um, because it's basically just, like, Spider-Man almost in T-pose, essentially just statically you see him just, like, in slow motion just moving and then there's some objects around him moving like there's no like spider-man spinning they don't even do the like matrixy like bullet time thing it's just like spidey's stiff tinker would have missed no matter what (laughs) yeah yeah 
I don't know. It's just, it's just really bad. But anyway, uh, he webs up Tinker and Tinker admits to being an inventor for evil and that he just wants to see his boys on the short socks win for once. So he literally, he wasn't, there was no complicated plan. He was just mad that his team has lost for a decade and was just basically using his inventions to help them cheat and win the game. I love it. Mm-hmm. Iconic villain behavior. Yeah, it's fun. It's real fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Peter returns with snacks for May, who shares that he missed the comeback of the centuries because the New York spirit did end up winning with the tinker not helping. Peter says that he'll have to come to another game since he missed this one. And May is like, uh, maybe you shouldn't like while you were here, my team was losing. Uh, and then when you left, they're not. So you're clearly a jinx, a mm-hmm. Miss Angelica jinx, if you will. Miss Angelica jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like this. I mean, I know that there were things that were weird about it as far as like the writing and the animation wasn't great. But the idea of this segment and like just the story of this segment, I really like. Yeah, a baseball episode is fun and they condensed it into like three minutes. And I I have no issues with that. I like I like that idea. Yeah. 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 Me too. Mm -hmm. Well, the third segment, probably, probably my least favorite. But I think maybe that's personal preference more so than it is like objectively good or bad. I guess we'll see. Um, But this is the concert segment. This one opens the night of the big Ross Caliban concert. Um, And we learn that Ross Caliban is Peter Parker's favorite musical artist, which I buy less than I buy him (laughs) never having been to a baseball game or knowing nothing about baseball. And this one I have like no nothing to point to at least the last one i could be like he's canonically a mets fan or like baseball is like a pretty nerdy sport this one is just all vibes i just don't think that like peter parker's favorite musical artist is just like this solo pop act akin to like a justin bieber (laughs) right it just is yeah and it's not I, I yeah I I feel the same way. I think it's because like I can buy Anya and Gwen going to a concert, going to a concert for this, or Miles going to like, this exact same Miles, concert and being stoked about yeah. it. Yeah, because we see like we don't see Miles there, but we do see Anya and Gwen there. Yeah. And like I, I didn't have any issues with that because they're just like they seem like they are more hip to pop culture than Peter would be. I think Peter I feel like feels like a little too much of like an old soul who's probably listening to like the record that like the old records that Uncle Ben and Aunt May were listening to, you know? Yeah. Or or not someone who really thinks deeply about music anyway. Like I feel like he's also that, probably I would someone, buy that more. I would yeah. I would buy more yeah. that he thinks music is cool and interesting in sort of like an analytical way. And that he Mm -hmm. can vibe to it when it's on, but not that he is like passionate about any particular artist. Yeah. yeah. Or I could buy based on this own, based on this series, the only, uh, the only flip I could sort of buy is if this wasn't necessarily like Peter's favorite artist, but that Peter was the one trying to convince his horizon friends to go to a concert that I could buy. Cause we've seen that before, right? Like he was stoked for like, the dance and was surprised that they were all nerdier and less excited than even he, a social outcast was for a dance. I could see that as the setup for this, but him being like super stoked about this pop concert that they are also stoked about seems weird to me. And not just the idea of going to a concert, but like he's so excited about Ross Caliban specifically this one guy, this one singer, like it is, he treats him like a, like a true pop idol, uh, and it's just weird. Like there's, there is something I, I like the idea. I find it uh, like the funny idea of Spider-Man, like simping over a pop star, like, you know, 
He can stand, but in this show especially, he stands scientists. (laughs) Right. It just it just feels weird for this version of Peter Parker. Yeah. And they don't and and they don't have enough fun with the idea of of Spider Man standing a pop idol to justify it. Like they don't have enough fun with that idea to really justify it, you know? Right. Cause you could, you definitely could. And they make conscious choices based on the story they're trying to tell to have it not happen. Mm -hmm. Right. Like part of the story is that he doesn't intersect with his favorite artist. I don't know. I guess, I guess it's fine, but this is how it goes. He wants to go to this concert. Anya and Gwen are there, but he, because of Spider-Man stuff is not able to make it in time. So they call him and are like, what's going on? And so he's late and he shows up and as he shows up, Ross Caliban shows up and then is promptly kidnapped. So he's like, well, I can't unsuit because now I have to go save Ross Caliban. He follows (laughs) the kidnappers to where they're taking Ross Caliban and finds out that Hammerhead is the one who's doing the kidnapping and he's doing it on behalf of his son Tully's birthday, his son Tully's eighth birthday, um, and is Uh basically just like, Ross Caliban, you're going to give my child a private concert, which is a great plan. On a night when Ross Caliban is supposed to be giving a performance in New York, surely no one will notice Hammerhead <laughs> that he is missing. <laughs> yeah, actually, good point. But it's not really it's meant so to be weird. a serious plan. It's like a joke when you see Tully. It's like very clearly oh. like a very weird cartoonish character. He's like this eight-year-old kid who talks like his dad in like a Bruce Lee jumpsuit two-piece like bruce lee pajamas oh, i didn't even think <laughs> about that that's weird. exactly what it, oh that's exactly what it is because and then he fights with like nunchucks later because then he's weird. like a martial artist it, yeah. it's all very strange this is a okay this is a strange segment <laughs> i like i part of me wonders like i know it's only credited to like two writers but i wonder if it was like a staffer wrote a different segment for this one um maybe but i if, if they did though i, I could like see different people credited. writing different segments of this with just also, as long I mean, as like you hit a couple things, like if they wrote different, if yeah. they like pitched an idea, wrote their little portion of it, and then someone went through and connected the dots as far as like the summer vacation piece, yeah. maybe. Because this one feels so different in tone from the rest of them. Like, yeah. like all every segment is like just like fun and like low stakes and like nothing really happening in them. But this one is mm-hmm. just like weirdly silly and chaotic and kind of yeah. feels like ran like like random like that's so random kind of humor like <laughs> it's so random that this like little give the lollipop is nunchucks now like yeah i don't know it feels it feels very like like 2005 era internet humor <laughs> with this child to me <laughs> i i think it feels like uh an ultimate spider-man mm. brand of comedy is what it feels, it feels like very ultimate spider-man yeah yeah, yeah. That's like this point. show does humor and i often like the humor that it employs but it's not ultimate spider-man humor and this is ultimate spider-man humor like yeah. this eight-year-old is not an eight-year-old and that is that is the joke you know what i mean yeah 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 because what ultimately happens is like Hammerhead and his goons are no problem. He just mm-hmm. disposes of them. And then he's confronted by this eight-year-old martial artist with nunchucks and is like, I can't fight an eight-year-old. I, I, I can't I can't hit you. Like, what am I supposed to do here? And the whole problem is resolved by Ross Caliban being like, hey, kid. Hey, eight-year-old kid. If you like stop beating up my friend Spider-Man, I'll take a selfie with you and I'll even post it on my own social media. And Tully's just like, cool, that sounds great. And that's like how they solve the whole thing. And like Spider-Man mm-hmm. and Ross Caliban just like walk off. And that's like the whole conflict is over. Yeah. Because of that. 
So it's like definitely I, not a serious plot, but it's no. like so goofy and wacky. <laughs> I appreciate I appreciate that ending. I do think the ending is just like take a selfie with a celebrity and everyone's fine now. Like I think I love that, an that, unconventional that's, solution. <laughs> it's that it is funny, but all the crazy monkey ninja boy stuff. <laughs> It's very yeah. weird if that happened. Like, and that's like kind of the bulk of the segment is just their chaotic fight. Um, yeah. And it's just odd. It's just, I don't know. Like, it's not, I can't even say that it's good or bad. I can't really qualify it that way. It's just like, I wasn't really feeling any way when watching it other than this is That's weird. what I'm saying, um, right? Like, there's nothing yeah. like, like, I mean, all these segments are so short that like they're clearly yeah. not meant to follow a traditional structure necessarily, but like they follow a mini structure of like establishing a conflict and solving the conflict. Yeah. And like, I get everybody like, there's nothing like super duper wrong structurally with this episode. It's like, fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like it wasn't a story I was necessarily vibing with. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, I think you're right though. I think it is. I think because it's kind of like pulled out of ultimate Spider-Man, it just feels kind of out of place in this show. Yeah. Cause this show doesn't go to that level of silly and cartoony yeah. most of the time. I can even see like how ultimate Spider-Man would like fully ultimate Spider-Man out this episode. Like you would mm-hmm. get the little cut of like, a character introducing Ross Caliban, you know, and you'd get like the sort of like photographer flashes and cut away. Like I can see exactly how this would be directed in oh ultimate God, yeah. and it would make so much more sense over there. <laughs> and I could buy, I could buy that version of Spider-Man being super into a pop star. Right. Too. Oh yeah. 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 Because they frequently yeah. like play on that kind of humor where it's just like the most unexpected thing the, that's so random, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So ultimately it's like, kind of just weird here but it it, uh-huh. it wraps up pretty quickly i mean he uh-huh. just goes back to the concert venue with ross caliban who offers to take him backstage he says no thanks i gotta meet up with some friends and then it turns out he lost his ticket so he can't go in anyway uh mm-hmm. but then like over here is ross caliban dedicating the concert to him or rather specifically spider-man which at that point if i had already forgotten my ticket and ross caliban had already invited me backstage suit up a spider-man just go back in as spider-man Right. Just go on stage. Understand. What are you doing, Peter? <laughs> Everybody would love it. What's your deal? Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get why. Uh, the uh, the end is cute where they do the little like freeze frame like with neon lights. Like Peter Peter freeze frames mid jump with like little neon yeah. lights around him. It's cute. It is cute, That's but all. it's also another example of a more ultimate leaning humor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, because this show, gener- if not literally always like <laughs> exists within its own universe. Like they don't break fourth walls really. They don't like mm-hmm. do they do like they don't do that stuff. So yeah, I wonder if this was like a lingering idea from Ultimate Spider-Man. Sure. <laughs> I mean like Burke and Wyatt both worked on Ultimate Spider-Man, so maybe yeah, I I, I could yeah. see that and they're showrunners now, so they can do whatever they want. So like, I can see them pulling. Yeah, I'm, I wonder. Pulling. Oh, what if this was like a pet idea that that they were told no about? <laughs> yeah, like like they really wanted to do a Spider-Man in concert episode. Yeah, and they weren't able to really do, or or at least, or not do it in the way that they were able to do it. So they they kind of recycle that idea here. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's fine. It's probably it's my least fine. favorite of the segments. I think this the next segment is probably my favorite one. Me too. I wish it had been a whole episode. I I think it would have been a really I actually very bummed that it's not and I didn't look into if we see this character again but I would I hope that we do because uh they introduced a really cool one that we see for like 30 seconds cuz this has mm-hmm. to move so quickly. <laughs> yeah. 
who, yeah. as far as I can tell, is like not a reference to an obscure Marvel character. As far as I can tell, yeah, I, I believe find it created for this show. Unless it's someone that they that exists, but they change the name of maybe. I, I, I truly no don't idea. know. I truly don't know. It's not, I did not, it did not clock for me as, as being a reference to anything. Yeah. So like they created a really, honestly, really cool character <laughs> for this episode, mm-hmm. for this very short segment. Um, God, I hope yeah. you see him again. I hope you do. This is the camping segment. Uh, this segment begins with Miles finishing up a terrible fireside ghost story. Uh, ghost story about a mummy, a mummy in the woods, which everyone <laughs> mummy mocks him about. Like, why is it a mummy in the forest? Because it's unexpected. That's what makes it so spooky. <laughs> Miles is so good. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I he's so funny in this episode. And I love him in this segment, and, too. This- and the fact that Najee Jeter, we've talked about this before. But, like, is the voice of this Miles and also other Miles that are, like, completely different than this Miles? Yeah! yeah. Is so funny. He, 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 he is the voice of several Miles, but they are very different characters. Like, this mm-hmm. type of humor is exclusive to this version of Miles. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And he's he sells it really well. He it's it's so <laughs> yes. he's so fun. He's so funny. And and this this honestly, this is a segment where it's sort of like, I'm okay with him not being Spider-Man in this one because he is like perfect V valid justification. He is asleep and mm-hmm. Peter doesn't want he's to asleep. disturb his friends. Totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> like they're gonna say. So instead they just get to use him as comic relief and just being mm-hmm. a teller of terrible ghost stories and everyone makes fun of him <laughs> for yeah, telling bad ghost stories that he himself is actually very scared of. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> but in spite of all this, Peter is uh bummed uh bummed out that his perfect summer vacation checklist just has not been working out as we've seen throughout this whole episode uh, and Anya, Gwen and Miles who he's camping with, which fun that the four of them are like just hanging out as mm-hmm. friends after everything in the first season. Yeah. I love seeing that, uh, but they're there and they're, they're sure. I'm like, dude, there's still plenty of time. And honestly, like camping is on the list. We're having a good time now. Right. And he's just being a big Debbie downer about it. Miles starts <laughs> to tell another ghost story, uh, but the girls are sort of like, mm, we're not doing this. We're going to bed and, and dip out. Yeah. Oops. It's bedtime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, they all have different outfits in this episode, and I think it's very fun. And you yeah. especially see it in this camping segment. Everybody looks has little different little outfits, and I love that. Very yeah. cute. So Peter is uh, cleaning up while the others get ready for bed. While he's doing that, he's confronted by a flying owl-like creature who steals the group's cooler full of food. And so Peter, of course, suits up to get the cooler back, and the creature moodily announces himself as nocturnal. For he hunts by night. <laughs> In sort of like the gruffest Batman-y sort of voice. For I yeah. hunt by night. <laughs> <laughs> so Spidey, you know, ultimately webs him up. It's really not much of a fight. And Nocturnal drops that affect. Uh, he stops talking like a gruff Batman figure. And instead is just like, <laughs> sounds just like a teenager. Like he just sounds like a, a yeah. kid. Uh, and he's actually terrified that Spider-Man's going to suck his blood. Uh, what do you think yeah. of Nocturnal's design? Because he's he's just he's literally just like like an owl man. That that's what he is. He's just an it's, owl man. <laughs> it's like unsettling because there are plenty of spider or not Spider Man necessarily, but like comic book characters with owl motifs, and usually mm-hmm. they will use like goggles or some sort of cowl or something to like shape the eyes and head. But this is like actually an owl boy. So his like eyes are actually owl eyes. Yeah. But you can tell he's still kind of human. It's very bestial. Like he's sort of yeah. like a, a Spider-Man Unlimited bestial. So it's like 
cool but weird and unsettling. He's what the the Spider-Man Unlimited Vulture should have been. Like I know Vulture isn't an yes. owl, but like if they wanted to have a vulture that was still pretty humanoid, which they clearly wanted to do, yeah. this is how you do that. Because it's he's so clearly not a human. He is clearly an owl person, but he still is like a very he he but he also isn't like an owl furry either. Like right. if you're making an owl persona, like a, it's not gonna look like this. He really is no. like a fusion between a, a between a human person and an owl. Yeah, it's like Batman Beyond splicing, where you just have like some mm-hmm. characteristics of the animal, but you're still clearly a human. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think it's it's a it's a clever design, and it's like he's just yeah. off-putting enough. But then once you like get to know mm-hmm. him just a little bit, like it sort of turns to just being kind of like cute and cool, but always a little bit creepy. Yeah, yeah. I also love that Spider-Man's response to him being worried about having his blood sucked is like, I don't take the motif that far. And then this is like a perfect moment of them doing humor well, because sometimes they do jokes too many times, but this one, they just do it and then they echo it later and like exchange Uh where he's like, don't owls eat rodents? And then owl boy is like, I don't take the motif that far. Like, it's just nice. It's good. It's funny. No, that's a very good bit of writing. I like that joke a lot. Yeah, it's that is really good. But yeah, I mean, Nocturnal is just like just kind of a guy. And so Spider-Man has a conversation with him and Owlman, I just called him Owlman, (laughs) Nocturnal, Nocturnal, uh, you know, talks about how like he was turned into an Owlman after a lab accident. And Spider-Man's like, I've been there, done that, man. I know Mm -hmm. how how bad lab accidents are. And so Nocturnal shares that um, he's been attempting to live in the woods alone for weeks because his friends and family treated him like a monster. Yeah. which is sad. Which is why he's like, stealing food. I it's know. It's really devastating. It's really devastating. And there's a bit of like a queer metaphor in that too. You know, someone mm-hmm. comes home and and fam- friends and family realize he's different and then suddenly don't treat him like a person anymore. And he yeah. ha- has to live on his own, even though he's just a kid, basically. And then when he learns that Spider-Man was also created by a lab accident, he asks, like, well, why didn't why didn't you run away to the woods and, like, steal people's food? And Spider-Man's like, well, you know, I have great friends and family who stuck by me, <laughs> which is the, is the right thing for Spider-Man to say in that moment. But it's also like it's not the, it's not a one to one situation it's, by any means. <laughs> no, it's not. But like it's just kind of funny. I know it's, it's not because we know that like the real reason is because he doesn't look like a spider. Right. Like when he when he mutates into a spider, he can no longer live like a human. He's able to completely conceal his powers from everyone around him. Right. So no like, one knows he's able to he's compartmentalize <laughs> and take that support and apply it where needed and like escape. But, yeah. you know. There's but, no way but, for him but, to really communicate that without you know, yeah. I, taking I, the mask I, I off pre- and getting into it. And I, yeah, and I appreciate that. It lets, it lets Nocturnal feel better about himself because uh, he could just assume that Spider-Man is a yeah. horrible freak underneath that mask. And it like, it's necessary for the point that Spider-Man's trying to make because at first I was like, this guy just told you that he was abandoned by his friends and family. And then your response for why things 
went well is because you have good friends and family. And so I was like, where are we going with this? But it actually is important for him to like do that because his Spider-Man solution is like, well, I can show you that, that there are other people who will accept you. Right. Like he's basically saying like, I found family. You can too. It's okay. That like your chapter with the old family is over. That doesn't mean your chapter with family in general has to be over. So like the point makes sense. And I don't think it would have worked as well if he was just sort of like, I'm not a hideous owl man. Yeah. That I was, and that wasn't like a, like a real nitpick. Like I think it's, it all makes perfect sense. It's just, it's funny when you, no, I had the same thought though. Yeah. I, I thought the but same I'll, thing. I was like, this isn't purely the reason, but <laughs> Yeah. And 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 to be fair, I will give credit to the episode too, because Peter does also he doesn't just talk about the spider powers, but he also is just sort of like and as a I think he's like and as a science nerd or something like that. Like I think he throws that out there too. So it's like mm. it isn't just accepting him as as Spider-Man, but I think he's also I think uh, relating to the idea that like he, he was an outcast, like he didn't have a ton of friends in his yeah. regular high school either. Um, and he still has had a lot of support from, you know, his aunt and Max and his friends, you know, in spite of being a weirdo, who's honestly kind yeah. of flaky because he does have to go out and be Spider-Man all the time. Like plenty mm-hmm. of people have given him chances. And I think that that's really fair too. Um, and I also like the sort of, running theme from the beginning of like Peter being lucky and or unlucky because he feels like he's been unlucky throughout his summer vacation and dealt with a bad mm-hmm. luck villain early on. But now you have nocturnal kind of being like, wow, you're so lucky that you have good friends and family. And it kind of clicks with Peter in, in this segment, like, Oh damn. Okay. Like actually maybe things aren't as bad as I think that they are just because I'm mm-hmm. not having a great summer vacation. Doesn't mean that like my life is awful. Like that's a, that's a silly thing to be so bummed about. Yeah. It's one of those moments where like someone asks you the question and the answer is like to literally answer their question, but also the thing that you needed all along. <laughs> and you're like, right. oh, oh, all right. I walked right into that one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, he does bring Nocturnal back to camp to meet to meet his friends. It's just sort of like these... Here's your newfound family. But before, you know, anyone can be awakened, Nocturnal is like, nope, can't. I'm sorry. I'm not ready. I, this is too weird for me. Maybe next time. Uh, and he dips out. Peter, you know, allows him to keep the food because he's like, mm-hmm. oh, nobody would mind if you take the food. They're good people like that. Yeah. Um, so hopefully Nocturnal has learned a lesson. Maybe we'll try to find his newfound family. We'll see. I'm so hopeful because of the way that this segment ends with Nocturnal not actually meeting Peter's friends Mm -hmm. and going off. I'm so hopeful this means we see him again. I feel like the fact that it is a character seemingly created for the show, unless it's such a deep cut that we have no evidence uh, Mm -hmm. of him. um, But the fact that it seems created for the show and the fact that this episode does not have a sort of full conclusion for Nocturnal just has me so hopeful. I hope so yeah. bad we see him again. Me too. I wonder if Nocturnal is supposed to be like not a Marvel deep cut, but it's supposed to be like a Mothman thing. Cause like the whole idea is that oh. Miles thinks that the woods are haunted by something and like people have stories about it. And then it turns out to be like just this dude. So it's more like it is a cryptid that is hmm. actually just a guy. Like it could be more of a riff on that maybe than could a Marvel just be that, Yeah. Because, I mean, they play with that. They play with the humor of that. 
Yeah, because he doesn't do like superhero or supervillain things in it at all. Like it's it is more like it feels more like one of those stories where like a character meets Bigfoot and Bigfoot turns out to be nice. Like it feels way more yeah. akin to that than a supervillain story. Yeah, or more like a like a mutant story for one of the mutants that's like just a student at the school and not an X Men. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um. But yeah, so yeah, so so Nocturnal go, returns to the night. Uh, the next morning, <laughs> Peter makes his friends breakfast. I thought the food was stolen, but I guess they had more. Uh, he makes his friends breakfast and apologizes for uh, for you know taking his friends and 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 their uh, experiences, albeit imperfect ones, for granted. Which is a nice note to end yeah. on. And Miles is like, any apology yeah. said with food is an apology I can accept. Because he loves food and loves eating. And I relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. This is yeah. this is definitely my favorite segment, yeah, actually. The more I think about it's, it, it's definitely my favorite. I think it's it's my favorite. And I think it is just the strongest segment out of all of them, yeah. too. Would have been a great full episode. But it yeah, works I, in this series of shorts. It does. But it... I would have preferred that as a full episode than this whole episode, honestly. (laughs) Imagine all the cool spooky things you could have done before you meet like nocturnal, you know? Yeah. It could have been like a, their fun little like Halloween episode, honestly. Oh, a whole camping episode would be so good. I know. I know. (laughs) know. Well, the last segment's kind of like a mini segment, really. It's just sort of a conclusion to these, uh, these stories. There's nothing left on Peter's list. So really, it's just the one week before school starts that's left. Um, Mm -hmm. So it opens with him actually back at home reflecting on the list um, and catching up on all the messages that he missed while he was camping because he didn't have service. Uh, He's surprised when he listens to a message from Max Modell explaining that they need to schedule time for Peter to come in and train his replacement, Max's new lab assistant, which takes uh, Peter by surprise. Uh, This had not occurred to him. Uh, despite it apparently being probably written right into the contract and job yeah. description. <laughs> like he thinks that he's getting, he thinks he's getting fired. And then Max is sort of like, well, you know, it's only for freshmen, right? Like you, you, you knew that. And Peter's like, uh, yeah. And I'm like, how oblivious. I mean, although, you know what, actually I take that back. Cause I remember being a 16 year old and not fucking and just not fucking paying attention to shit. Like I can totally, he probably was, he was so hyped to be in this new school and getting a job that's covering his tuition with a mentor that he really likes a lot that he wasn't even paying. He was like, yeah, sure. I'll sign it. Yes. There's my signature. There you go. Like didn't even think about it. Aunt May probably knew it was a one year thing and also just assumed that Peter knew and didn't think, and nobody thought that they, that thought to like remind Peter about it because they just assumed Peter would be, not so oblivious that he would have missed that, but like I will give him, I will give him a little bit of room because, especially in the early episodes of the first season, they did kind of heavily establish how kind of flighty and like you know a little yeah. all over the place Peter was in those early. So he was episodes. a bit of an airhead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he kind of was. So yeah, I'll I'll give them that. He has grown since then, but this was an early mistake that he made that he has since grown from, grown away from. Yeah. 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 And I think that's all like great in universe explanation for it. It just, I mean, this is how you get him to need a new job and get him to the daily bugle. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we know why. And get him a new job in a way that isn't like selling out Max or anything. It's not because they could have exactly. also just had Max fire him for like not showing up or whatever. But it would kind of Max was never going to fire out. him if he didn't fire him throughout right. the whole first season. There's literally nothing Peter could ever <laughs> <Yes>. do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Like they almost had kind of written themselves in, into a corner by having Max yeah. be so so nice I mean, and open to Peter for all of his flaws and faults, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, there, is, I, I, this is, this is almost certainly a question we could get answered unless they're not allowed to answer it. Like, I would love to know if the plan initially as the series was, was starting was like, he just will always be working at horizon high and then, you know, showrunner change. That's how he, I mean that it's easy to guess that that is the case, but I'm sure somebody has the actual answer to that, you know, but it really feels like that because I think if they wanted to have, Jameson, the Daily Bugle, they would have had that in the first season. Like, because they don't right. even make references to that. They don't even make references to Jameson in the first season. Right. This is a f- the full introduction to that entire world and that it exists at all. And the first season was so heavy on, we are about a science school. We are right. about Peter at a science school and the rivaling science schools. Like, it mm-hmm. really feels like that was just, and, and it's just that era is just And that over. would have yeah. stayed... Yeah. I think obviously I don't I don't think it would have had to have been stale or plateaued. I think there's plenty you can do with that. But I imagine mm-hmm. that was meant to stay the the yeah. situation and the circumstance. Yeah, and who knows, maybe a reason that Kevin Shinnick left was because maybe Marvel or whoever was sort of like, We don't like the science school stuff. Can you just do can you just yeah. do the Spider-Man stuff? And it's just sort of like, All right, peace out then. Like that's entirely possible. Yeah. Um you know, and then, you know, and then the writers that are promoted or people who have worked with Marvel on another production before. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll get your Spider-Man stuff in here. Like, I think that's yeah. and I'm not saying that any of that is right or wrong. Like, I kind of prefer this probably to like the rivaling super genius school stuff from the first season. I like I assume that I will in con like in concept. I would rather see what this what it's like for this Peter to be working in a newspaper environment with J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, that just feels way more fun and exciting to me than any of the school stuff was. But it's just it's just interesting to see the show make such a clear and kind of obvious re- like shift and kind of re- resetting for itself to, yeah. to get him here for me it's a we'll see because yeah, i love yeah, sure. i love J. jonah jameson i love peter dealing with J. jonah jameson but part of what i love about that not entirely because i do just genuinely like the bugle and J. jonah jameson but part of what i like about that is the fact that there's a workplace kind of vibe to it and i do think horizon high had the potential to create workplace type stuff um Mm. be it like lab work, class work, stuff like that, um, sort of in place of that and still be compelling. So um, I, it's, we'll see for me. Cause if it ends up sure. being just like That's the fair. same old, same old stuff and less like, how does this Peter fit into it? Then I think I'll, I'll fall on the side of like, eh, we had something new with the school stuff. So maybe I would have preferred the school stuff. That's fair. I think that is very fair. Cause then it's but like, I don't, I don't know, know that I, tr- I don't know. Yeah. We might get I, both. I think it's, yeah, Maybe. Maybe I, that would be the ideal, I think, because yeah. I don't know this, that the show could live up to the heights of other Daily Bugle stuff of other shows that I really like. Um, but if they if they play in a, in different enough spaces and remember that this this version of Peter is a very different version than other ones that we've had and really lean in on ha- on how he would be acting in, in the situation. Yeah. Then I think we could have something really cool. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah. We yeah. shall see. We we don't get a lot of bugle stuff here because basically 
he has that conversation with Max where Max is like, it was a one year thing. And so he's like, I got to figure something out before anyone even offers. He's like, well, I can't ask Aunt May for help and I can't ask Harry for help. I have to do this on my own. <laughs> That's what okay, I was referencing buddy. at the top. Whatever to um, say. Yeah. And I have, uh, it probably, like you said, it probably <sighs> is a better conversation for next week when he actually talks yeah. to Harry about it. Um, but I have thoughts on that, that I, I, yeah, in universe and out of universe that I feel like could have been better. But at this point, he's just simply at the point where he's like, I need to figure something out. Um, interestingly, he doesn't really figure something out. Randy enters the picture, Randy Robertson, <laughs> and is like, yeah. hey, Peter, um, my dad works at the Bugle and they're a job opening. So I could set you up with an interview. Interesting that you're getting help. Um, and it's not a bad <laughs> thing. It's actually a great thing. Uh, So he ends up in an interview with J. Jonah Jameson. He learns that the Bugle is looking for good, clean footage of Spider-Man. And he learns this because Jameson yells at a reporter named Eddie Brock for getting shitty, blurry footage of Spider-Man. So Peter's like, hey, this is my opportunity. This is something I can do on my own. I can get footage of Spider-Man. And this is how I can pay tuition for school after all. And that's the end of this episode and setting up a major part, I assume, of where this yeah. series goes forward. Um, something that we recognize as a piece of like traditional Spider-Man sort of lore um, and something mm-hmm. that we can hope uh, will sort of dictate some yeah. of the stories we get moving forward. Yeah. I like the Peter Palmer joke when Jameson <laughs> calls him Peter Palmer. That's a fun little Is fun that little the name? Yeah, that's the name that the comic used at one point. Or like accident. it was like on accident. Yeah, he was called Peter Palmer for In like, like a for, narration. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just a simple typo, but just a funny one. It's so it's funny that they pull that out when James Jameson yeah. calls him that by accident. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really have any any other thoughts that I haven't already said on this one because it's just like we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. I think that Peter need, Peter not wanting to get help from the people in his life that could very easily help him. That is, I think that is a very good conversation to save for next week. Cause I do think in the context of this, I don't really have an issue with Peter throwing it out there here very simply because I can buy that Peter would think that, um, right. and not even bring it up to those people in his life. And this right. is sort of, I could buy, I could buy him not bringing it up. And then this being like his immediate, like now I'm going to just start applying for jobs. Cause I mean, I, 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 and I think it's also fair for like a 16 year old to just be like, I want to try out being independent. People my age get jobs all the time. I want to try to get a part-time job because I can. Like, I think that that is all, that all makes perfect sense to me. It really is next week for me that it really becomes a legit yeah. like capital because we've problem. seen this we've seen him not share trouble whether it's this version or other peters we've seen mm-hmm. peter keep sort of a struggle from people and then try to solve it and then yeah the response to that is them being like peter why didn't you tell me so this is just the, yeah. that part of that journey yeah yeah and it's very you know it's a very true to life thing of people if you have money problems yeah. not people really hate talking about that with people but it will be a bigger conversation next week. Trust, trust. Um, oh yeah. But yeah. But but other than that, yeah. The the bugle stuff. Very wait and see with that. There. I think it is a considering that they that it's just sort of plugged into the end of this like you know very chill, low stakes, otherwise easily you know. If you wanted to skip it, it really wouldn't hurt anything except for that mm-hmm. last segment. You know what I mean? Um, they just that's, and they, that's I the, think what makes this episode particularly weird. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's sort of like this is a pretty major thing because the next episode will pick up with dealing with some of the bugle stuff. So like it's mm-hmm. an important episode and, and does make this like a season opener. But like other that's the old that like little like two and a half minutes is the only thing that makes this a season opener. The rest of it really is just like a fun little interlude episode, which I yeah. have no beef with. I think that's a fun idea. You know, some of the individual segments could have used some tightening up a little bit, but like yeah. fun idea. Otherwise it's, it, it is a little bit weird to end it on. Like, and now here's your major plot point for the season. Yeah. It's strange. It's really strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot how difficult this series is sometimes to find faces of the episode. And we've talked about this before, but like this show doesn't do a ton of like wacky expressions. It's like pretty sincere in its models and stuff. Um, but we found some stuff here. We found a couple of things. Mine was totally by accident. It was just, and we don't usually do this, but I just paused at a certain point and it was so funny to me what I paused on. (laughs) It ends up being like the opposite of what the actual situation is, but it's a moment where Gwen's on the phone and Anya's like grabbing her. And just because of where I paused, Gwen's eyes are like blinking at different points. So she looks (laughs) like real wonky and it just feels like the moment where like, you're talking on the phone with your crush and trying to play it cool. And your drunk friend is like, just give me the phone. And it was like, (laughs) fully give me those vibes. Hilarious because that's the complete opposite of who Anya and Gwen even ever would be. (laughs) (laughs) But it's it's just a really funny image. And I debated including it because it was an accident, but I had to, I had to. I'm so glad you did. No, because your caption is the, uh, is like the drunk friend steals your phone thing is so funny. Cause that's what (laughs) Gwen's face looks like. like. It's what it looks like. It looks like Anya's pissed that Gwen stole her phone. (laughs) Yeah. And Gwen looks drunk as fuck. Like it's so good. (laughs) So good. But no, what a good, when I saw that, I was like, Oh my God, a plus a plus. My favorite, uh, one of my favorite things on this episode are just all the freaks and weirdos who are just background characters. So we have that like at the baseball game, there's the one dude with like the big beard and the long hair and like the super red nose. Like he looks Mm -hmm. like he's like, like a gnome or like a dwarf from Snow White and the seven dwarfs for some reason. Cause he's also really, he's also like way shorter than Peter. Um, yeah. And he's just like, I don't, and, and all he's doing is just like screaming for peanuts and nachos. Like, I don't know why that character is there. He's very memorable when I see him, but I love, yeah. I love that he's there. He invented peanut nachos. Would you try peanut it? nachos? I would What's try your it. interpretation sure. of peanut nachos. When he says peanut nachos, what are you imagining? I guess. I mean, my, my first instinct is just like kind of regular nachos with cheese on it. And also just like topped with crushed peanuts. Interesting. Well. Because my thought was replacing uh-huh. the chips with peanuts, but otherwise putting nacho toppings on top oh, of that. Fuck. That sounds really good. <laughs> I mean, actually, bo- both of these honestly sound good. Because I was thinking more like a th- like you could even, if you wanted to, like go in a Thai food direction with the nachos. Yeah. I still would do cheese, but you can have like, you know, like a, like plenty of like, like green onions or something on there too. Yeah. Um, and I think that'd be good. But peanuts... With nacho, with nacho toppings, toppings. Sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds really good. That sounds like like it would be like you would have to eat it with a spoon. <laughs> like oh, you couldn't 100%. eat that with your hands. Yeah, but I'd be I'd do it. I want to try. Now I'm really glad I asked. That would be really we easy thought to totally try. separate things. Yeah, yeah. Both of these, we need to have a page, new Patreon episode. We're going to taste test <laughs> oh, these God. two and figure out <laughs> which ones we like better. 
Oh, <laughs> which versions of peanut nachos you like better? <laughs> oh boy, I have a feeling I know which one, and it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I, just, I, I, I feel know. like uh, I feel like what you were imagining is like a safer bet. You know what I mean? Like just having it as an additional topping, I feel like adds a a little bit of texture, a little bit of saltiness, a little bit of a different flavor. Mm-hmm. I feel like completely taking taking the nachos out is a big risk. <laughs> but like peanuts, just with like cheese and salsa. what else? Jalapeno, like jalapenos, jalapenos and salsa or whatever. Like that. I don't think like, that sounds great. Yeah, that I sounds guess so. great. Yeah, like, that's true. Like nacho toppings are good in that they kind of work on kind of any any anything that's in yeah. that like salty starchy realm, you know. I guess if nothing else, like the worst case scenario, or maybe best case, I don't know. It's entirely possible that you're just like eating nacho toppings and the the peanuts are just texture. In which yeah, case, like they kind of just yum. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not I'm not mad about that either. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow. Um, yeah, he was he was really the main reason I did this, but I did also include a couple of I had to include the hot dog guy because he's funny and hot. And the screen back when I pulled Miles looks. Really yeah, what funny. do you mean? Why do, why why are you noticing this guy? He's just hot. Whether he's he had a hot, hot dog costume, or I not, think it was more hot. like, am I attracted to him because he's hot or am I attracted to him because he's in a hot dog costume? I think the hot dog like, costume helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, him and Miles is also very funny on that one, but mostly for him. Um, and then this fucking weird-ass gargoyle. I am assuming the gargoyle that Spider-Man, like, rips down, it's got to be, like, a caricature of someone, right? Like, it's got to be, like, someone... It like, looks like, like someone, a human turned into right. a gargoyle. Someone on staff is this gargoyle. Right. Like, it's... like it's it's Yeah, right. I think it's someone who works on the show, or it's, like, Joe Quesada or something like that. Like, I think it's it's got to be an actual person working on the show. Because it has, like, hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like human it's hair. definitely meant to be a person. I feel like it could be Joe Quesada because he's been drawn drawn into this show a couple of times, and I feel mm. like it matches the hair that he has. Like it's, but but it's also hard to tell because it's also just like a guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't know. I know it's technically like a background thing because it's like a set piece, not a character. But it's mm-hmm. so it something about it like being lineless like it has no lines it's all just flat color is Mm -hmm. so interesting to me if you had just shown me that screen grab not in a million years would i have guessed that it was from the show because it's so detailed (laughs) but has no lines it looks great (laughs) that's a that's a good point but it does it it does feel like completely yeah it's it's way more detailed than most things on this show are so <laughs> just no lines <laughs> yeah <laughs> so funny <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah i mean i i like this i think it would have made more sense as like a mid-season thing or a structure breaking episode of vignettes or something it's weird mm-hmm. that they have this status quo changing plot point at the end not yeah. a great way to open a season i would say but fun most of the time yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it, if anything, it was a nice, you know, easing back into the show after we hadn't really been talking about it for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a nice introdu- introduction, reintroduction to basically everyone except Harry from the main cast. So, yeah. you know, I, I and that's that's perfectly fine for me. I'm 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 still very excited to see where this season goes after this because it's h- really hard to get it get a indication from this one episode other than the one Daily Bugle thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm excited. 
As we charge forward into this series that we're both very excited to get into, um, if you like what we're doing and want more of it um, while you're waiting week to week for these ones, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers because there's so much stuff over there that you can fill in on any day of the week, not just the ones where we drop main feed episodes. And of course, check out our Discord. There is a link in the show notes. So if you want to talk about this show with other folks or with us, uh, that is a great place to do that. Of course, you can find Derek and me all over the place on the internet. Derek, where can people find you and the stuff you're working on? Sure, you can find me on Twitter is where I'm probably still most active, at Derek B. Gale, but I'm on other social media platforms, either under that name or under Dare Bear or Mr. Dare Bear. Not too hard to find me. Um, you can also find my podcast, Gimmicks, which uh, looks at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking, gimmicky episodes of TV, kind of like what this one sort of kind of is, honestly. I uh, could try to fit into that, but we look at yeah. episodes uh, uh, like that with my co-host, David, um, and you can find that, of course, anywhere you get your podcast casts and that is part of the glitter jaw collective alongside us um you can also follow me on twitch at mr dare bear where i stream uh, vhs recordings of old airings from tv that includes all the old commercials and we are in spooky months so i'm trying to dig up and stream any like halloween or spooky or spooky adjacent stuff that i can find this month so definitely definitely check me out there what about you doug you can find me all over the place at icky booly I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y, except, as your co-host David pointed out, on PlayStation, which I have realized is the last place where I don't have my screen name aligned. He tried to find me on PlayStation by searching Ikibuli, because I always say that you can find me everywhere using that, and then pointed out that he couldn't find me, but everywhere else you can find me on Ikibuli. <laughs> I don't even remember what my PlayStation name is, actually. Now that I don't I know. about it. I'm not sure what yours is either. <laughs> I've been meaning to change mine, but I don't expect people to actually look for me on PlayStation Network. Yeah, so right. Props to right. you, David, for trying. Yeah, um, wow. But you can find me all over the place at Ikibuli. You can also find me on a show called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast. And you can listen to me on another Glitter Jaw show called Novel Gaming. It's a podcast I do with my friend Katie where we catch up on all the books and video games we have been consuming lately. And speaking of Glitter Jaw, if you would like to find other queer creators talking about media, check out the Glitter Jaw Queer Podcast Collective at glitterjaw.com. That includes our new show, the one, the new one from me and Derek, called Mm -hmm. Screonk, a Godzilla movie marathon where we are stomping through Godzilla's filmography. The feed and our introduction episode will be available this Friday the 13th. Yes, that was unintentional that it was Friday the 13th. I love it, though. Happy accident. (laughs) (laughs) You can also visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com for a full archive of everything Derek and I are doing together with Spider-Man and Falling with Style and... Screonk, perhaps, or is that just going to live on Glitterjaw? Whatever. You, you can find us all. Just If you find us in one place, you'll find all the other stuff we're doing. Uh, you can also <laughs> follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod, or email us at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms, because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too, and they just haven't found us yet. Next week, Doc Ock returns and Ooh, begs yeah. for a redemption arc in an episode Uh-oh. called... Take two. Ooh, see you then. Bye.
War War. War War. War War. War War. Justice League War War.